0: plus
1: Good morning, and welcome. It's January the 16th today, 2022, and we have been studying the life of Abraham uh, as it pertains to the covenant of promise, and many other things to do with his life um, as he was a uh, a son in the uh, of the Chaldees and went with his father as they headed north. But what we're learning about Abraham, who is, of course, the patriarch of the Hebrew people and the father of the, uh, the uh, covenant people of God that, that were the Israelites, the Jewish people, the uh, sons of Jacob, all the different terminology that we know of. This is who we're studying, and um, Abram is a wonderful example for those people, as 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 they read um, these things uh, after uh, uh, the, the writing of Genesis, which would have occurred during the time of as far as the writing goes now this much about the life of Abraham was known from father to son through the through the years amongst the Jews but this was documented by Moses the first five books of our bible during the 40 year travel in the wilderness so the people of God understood the character of Abraham he was a wonderful example of the type of person that they should be. And I think today's study is going to touch on the one point that is absolutely necessary in any person's life towards God, and that is the idea of they believe God. Abraham believed God. All these other things that follow, uh, Within, within our lives and the things that we do, if they're not based on the idea that we believe God and what he has said, um, they really have very little meaning. So this is what I think we're going to learn. Now, we're going to start with chapter 15. We just read a few verses of it last week as we got into it and seeing where we were. Um, and in uh, chapter 15, we're just going to read the first six verses again, um, <clears throat> and see what what we say, uh, what the Word of God says concerning this account. It says that after these things, the Word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, "Fear not, Abram. I shield thee. Thy reward shall be very great." And Abram said, "Master." And Lord, what wilt thou give me, whereas I am departing without a child? But the son of Mesek, my home-born female slave, this Eleazar of Damascus is mine heir. And Abram said, I am grieved, since thou hast given me no seed, but my home-born servant shall succeed me. And immediately there was a voice of the Lord to him, saying. This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come out of thee shall be thine heir. And he brought him out and said to him, Look up now to heaven and count the stars, if thou shalt be able to number them fully. And he said, Thus shall the seed be. And Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And we'll read verse 7 too. And he said to him, I am God, I am the God that brought thee out of the land of the Chaldees, so as to give thee this land to inherit. That's the thought. I think the critical verse here is verse 6. Um, and we're going to talk about it because this is where we find that... God has a way to use Abraham because of this attitude that he has. And as time rolls on, this idea of Abraham believing God is going to be confirmed time and time again in the things that that occur. I guess we could say that the idea of Believing God is really the formula, if you will, um, of faith. That's what I, how I would look at it. Now, we're going to get two passages I want to read today from the New Testament that's going to um, further this thinking uh, as far as the idea of believing and how Abraham believed. So the first one is going to be in Ephesians (coughs) 1.13. The New Testament letter to the church in Ephesus, chapter 1, verse 13. I might point out, as we've many times spoken about, the first 12 verses of this letter are, are to do with the uh, are to do with the people uh, that we know as the apostles of Christ, and uh, it's really all about them and their circumstances, their predestination, if you will, as God had intended. But here, with the the letter changes, it changes actually in verse twelve, uh, where. He says, uh, okay, and in verse 13, uh, it's where it's at. Uh, The letter changes from the apostles, who were, of course, um, uh, those that hoped first in Christ. See, that couldn't include just everybody, could it? Uh, It would have to be the first ones, and we know who those are.
2: Yeah, they established their authority in those first 12 verses, why they should listen to them, why they should be heard.
1: That's right. Very good. That's exactly it. The confirmation, you know, everything needs confirmation to a certain extent. God understands this and he gives it to us. Uh, why would we believe the apostles? Because the scriptures confirm their authority to tell us, to teach us. Their words are true. But in verse 13, it says this. The apostle says to the to the people in uh, Ephesus, In whom you also, having heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of the promise. Now, I can remember many years back, I... Um, a preacher friend of mine had this verse uh, in his what was what we call and uh, you know all congregations have or most have a, like a statement of faith. Well, he used this verse, and I and I was a little disappointed with it because you see it doesn't have everything in there that we stand on as far as what makes a saint what what causes us to be born out of heaven but you know my thinking was wrong about it i think the proper thinking is it, of course it starts with this idea of believing we are born out of heaven we're born from heaven because of our belief in in the message right the word of truth we heard the word of truth and we believed it, the good news of our salvation. Now, if we truly do believe it, and we heard the word, then we're going to accomplish all the things that follow. But we got to make sure that we, we don't minor on or major on the minor sometimes, because if we don't get past the idea of believing, we're going to have a real problem. Believing means exactly that, you believe it. That's right, and true belief will cause you to act upon it. Yeah. Just as we are drawn by God, well, that 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 draw is through our the concept of believing the the word of truth, the good news. Yeah,
2: isn't there a difference between the acknowledgment and belief?
1: It certainly is, uh, because what follows the acknowledgment, you know, proves the idea. Um, but you know we have to take people at the word too, uh, and it, but we have to live up to the word too. If we say we believe, then we need to live as though we do believe and and it will there's no way to fake it, especially with with God. you, know, you might be able to fake it for a while in this world, but why would you want to?
2: Yeah, I mean I can, I can acknowledge that there's a pink rambler station wagon in the parking lot. But I don't believe I want it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't believe I want to own it. So there's many phases of it. But we're talking about real belief here. And as I said, Abraham has opportunity a number of times to really prove that he does. Okay? All right. Now there's another passage uh, about Abraham. Abraham. And it kind of clarifies the issue for the Jewish people many, many years later. Um, Let's look at Romans 4, starting with verse 1. Romans 4, verse 1. Now, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Christians again. And this is for the Jewish people. So they can understand who Abraham really is in the faith and the things about him. What was the important point? Okay, let's read. What then shall we say, Abraham our father, to have found according to flesh? For if Abraham by works was declared righteous, he hath to boast, but not before God. For what doth the writing say? And Abraham did believe God, and it was reckoned to him to righteousness. Now, friends, that's what we read, wasn't it? All right, let's move on. Verse 4. And to him who is working, their reward is not reckoned of grace, but of debt. And to him who is not working, and is believing upon him, who is declaring righteousness, the impious, his faith is reckoned to righteousness. Even as David also doth speak of the happiness of the man to whom God doth reckon righteousness apart from works, happy they whose lawless acts were forgiven and whose sins were covered. Happy the man to whom the Lord may not reckon sin. So are you getting the the idea here? The idea is that believing apart from the law, okay, just as salvation, uh, the the concept of being born uh, anew, born into the kingdom of God, is done apart from the law. All of this is tied together. So you can, you can be declared righteous apart from the works. That is, the works of the law in this case. Um, there are many kinds of works, but works of the law is what the Jewish people were always talking about.
2: Abraham, you know, there was no law during right. Abraham's time.
1: No. So <laughs> the only law, if we could use the word, was the word that God gave him. And and he could either reject it or accept it. But he believed it. So that idea of believing, as a matter of fact, uh, that's where we start, friends. We're, We're set out to bring those around us into the realm of believing. And if they truly believe the Word of God, then all of the things that have become certain requirements, they will, they will fall into line. And they will be accomplished because the true believer is one that is obedient to the one he believes in. It puts a, a person in, in, a, in a position uh, believing upon the name, believing in God and all the different prepositional phrases we could talk about. Uh, that is part of really believing. Uh, and, of course, this the context here is believing in the Word of God and believing God's Word. as And the only word that we have from God, friends, outside of looking into the heaven and looking around us and seeing the creation is, is the Word that we call our Bibles. Right. So... We have a choice to make, and it all hinges on the idea of believing. Abraham was someone that God stated, as He told uh, uh, Moses and and um, uh, to write this down. That's just what He did. It was God that instructed this to be written, according to about Abram. That Abram believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's something I think that is a, is a root uh, understanding uh, about Abraham. But, but but friends, it's also the root of our of our fellowship with God through Christ. It's the exactly the same belief. Um, oh, we have we have much more light. We have a lot more information than even Abraham did. We've we've seen and, and we understand lots of things that's happened, but we still have to believe it. And that that is a that's something that's a chore. And believe me, that's uh, the world struggles to to believe. Uh, matter of fact. I think people have, a lot of people have thrown their hands up and they don't believe anything that pretty much anybody says because every time they do, something bad happens to them. Somehow they're they're mistreated. So how then can they be saved? Well, remember... The gospel has a power of its own. The gospel message has a power of its own. It's not your delivering of it. It's what it actually says. And the power of God is the gospel. And uh, that's in the world today as it was at the very beginning. So this this text uh, that we're going to read now, following this, uh, because to me this is basic, this is formula. Uh, foundational to the idea of Abraham, Abram believing and all the things that, that follow in his life. So as we move on from uh, verses uh, 8 through 20, we're going to find uh, an account um, that is necessary for us to understand. And that's why I've included it in this lesson. Uh, we're not going to be reading every chapter uh, in Genesis. We're only going to be doing the things that perp- pertain to Abram or the things brought about by him. So uh, let's look at these verses, uh, 8 through 20, and then we're going to have a text in Hebrews chapter 11 about Abraham, and we'll see how those things run together. So in verse 8, Abram is talking to God as this vision continues. And he said, Master and Lord, how shall I know that I shall inherit it? So Abram believes, but he'd still like to have more information. Is that how you are?
2: Exactly. You know, I like
1: yeah, I like more too. I like more information, as much as I can get, right? Yeah.
2: That's
1: truthful. Because it's just, uh, it's it, it really builds you up.
2: If you want me to follow the plan, you better
1: tell me the plan. Yeah.
2: Oh, it's a. It's a it's Can a we understand?
1: Plan. You know, Abram, his belief isn't some sort of a spell that he's been cast under. That's right. This is of his own volition. This is the free will of every man and woman that's ever been born. Right here, we see it. And this question comes Amen. from that free will. Amen. We need to understand the human person as God created him before we can make any real judgments on them.
2: Yeah, what did David always say? Before you get, You'll never figure out God if you don't figure out man.
1: <laughs> that's right. All right. And he said to him, now the he represents God. God is is speaking to Abraham here, Abram. And he said to him, take for me a heifer in her third year, and a she-goat in her third year, and a ram in his third year, and a dove and a pigeon. So he took to him all these and divided them in the midst and set them opposite to each other, but the birds he did not divide. And birds came down upon the bodies, even upon the divided parts of them, and Abram sat down by them. And about sunset, a trance fell on Abram, and lo, a great gloomy terror falls upon him. And it was said to Abraham, Thou shalt surely know, that thy seed shall be a sojourner in a land, not that not their one. In other words, not one they have conquered, and they shall enslave them, and affect them, uh, afflict them, and humble them four hundred years. And the nation whomsoever they shall serve, I will judge. And after this, they shall come forth hither with much property Now that the those that that will come forth hither with much property are the children of Abraham those that would come to him the nation that would be come to him but thou shalt depart to thy fathers in peace nourished in good in a good old age and in the fourth generation they shall return hither For the sins of the Amorites are not yet filled up even until now. By the way, if you want to know how how long generations are, you could take the 400 years and add four generations, and we know when when they came forth, right? So, you know, I've often heard, well, we don't know how long a generation is. Well, maybe we do. Verse
2: 17.
1: And when the sun was about to set, there was a flame, and behold, a small, fir- a smoking furnace and lamps of fire which passed between these divided pieces. So Abram still in this trance, and, and the, this offering is is still laid open. This was how a covenant was was agreed upon in the ancient days. Verse eighteen. In that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To thy seed I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. The Kenites and the Kenzites and the Chemonans and the Cheltites and the Perzites and the Raphim and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Evites, and the Jerozites, and the Jebusites. These are the people that lived in uh, in the region that he's talking about. All right, that's verse 19. By the way, no matter what Bible you go to, the spelling of these names is always different. Okay, verse 20, the last verse, in this.
2: But that's the end of the chapter
1: here. Okay, well, that's the difference between the Septuagint and the uh, our, our normal Bibles. Actually, our Bibles have 21 verses in them. But this ends at 19 because they've just put all the... Well, all this has it. It has 21 also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's the end of it. So, um, this is an account of that... Uh, and by the way, there's going to be other covenant uh, accounts. Um, as a matter of fact, in, in my sheet here, we find this brought up again. Um, in, verse, in chapter 17, we're going to also be talking about receiving a covenant, Abraham does. All right? Uh, which is kind of reaffirming you know, we've already had a certain part of the covenant promised. Now we've got an actual, the physical aspects of a covenant here. And then we're going to be talking about it again in chapter 17. All right. And um, anyway, all this occurred. And this uh, covenant was done in this way because this is how men agreed upon things and, and made covenants amongst their large groups um, that were called tribes in those days. Um, and they would make covenants with, with certain tribes for certain things. It could just be one thing even, like uh, the well here or the water or the grazing. and They'd make a covenant that they would agree that they could both use it and, so uh, they wouldn't have conflict. So this was a process that was uh, was given. And of yeah, course, wasn't it, Neil, like
2: uh, they would, uh, civilizations would exchange uh, things of, of great value to right. them. They would exchange, and so that was a little bit of collateral. You got skin in the game. I got skin in the game. So we're going to behave ourselves around this well.
1: That's right. That's how it happened. You know, the kings... And that's a
2: whole other lesson, by the way, right there. Yeah, it is. Because without investment, you're just dreaming.
1: And really, this is an investment. I mean, this wasn't uh, just a... Well, a handshake should be good enough. As a Christian, a handshake is good enough. Or, Or simply saying yes is yes is yes. And no is no, but this this was a different time, and there was an investment of these animals. And, and later on, kings would have, make peace with other kings, and they would exchange uh, one of their daughters would marry one of the other king's sons, and they'd have that involved. So they had some of one of their family that was now in the in the uh, in the king's family of the other nation, and this was. Done in good faith, you know. You see how everything hinges on believing
2: yeah.
1: someone's word. That's
2: just what I was thinking. Man.
1: That's what it's about, isn't it? It's so important.
2: See, that's the <coughs> words that every salesman wants to hear. Is yeah. I believe I'll I'll do it. Yeah. yeah. Because that the next thing is to get your money out.
1: And every salesman wants to be believed. So what's he going to do? You you know, he's saying it's the best, but does he believe it himself? You know, that's what they used to say about uh, um, many people, that the best salesmen are the people that believe in their product. Uh, And there's people out there, a lot of people, that are professional at buying things, they can tell right away. First you know all about it, and then you actually believe that it is what they need, and then you might have a chance on selling it. So the idea of believing is what I'm trying to get across here. God's proving by a covenant, this arrangement that was known to men and had validity to men, he was doing with Abraham. And later on, probably in chapter 17, we'll get to the act that God can't swear on anything that his statement is true he swears upon himself uh whereas men um would swear on certain things but even but even Jesus made it clear that we as as his being in Christ means that we don't swear on anything our yes is yes and our no is no we can't swear on something that that has not agreed with us to be sworn upon it's the idea. So uh, that that's why uh, in America, we people lay their hand on the Bible that gives an idea that they're a kind of person that believes that their word is true. When they're asked to tell the truth, then they'll do just that. So... Um, This text is God reassuring Abram as to the future events. And he's very concerned with the future, as anyone would be. Very concerned with it. His family, of which at this point was himself and his wife, and they were elderly at this point, his family and their possessions and their land, and all of their children, and over a long period of time, God was talking about right here. He was talking about uh, the, the the family being large, and they being uh, put in bondage for four hundred years, and and then sent out to take the land that had been promised to Abram. So this is, I guess. Nearly the first mention of the, even though God's word with Abram is always a covenant. And in, 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 in whenever he promises something, that's a covenant statement. As he did to Noah, that was a covenant. Um, and, and so all these things are in, in a form. But this is one that uh, is, is uh, done in this way that the people that would follow Abram would see that this covenant was done in a way they understood. This is, that's why it's mentioned this way. And the covenant was between Jehovah God and Abram. And he was the, the man that Jehovah had selected to be the father of the promised people. The, uh, the, four, the forerunner and the father of of the seed and the father of the Messiah that would come and free the people of God and establish a new covenant that was unknown at that time, but the prophets were talking about it through the years, that's for sure. Now let's look at Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 10, as it pertains to this. Of course Hebrews eleven is the chapter concerning faith and all the faithful people mentioned in it. <clears throat> but it says um, by the way the word by is not in there. No it's actually there is,
2: there is no preposition. There there
1: isn't. It's but it's um, yeah, so the concept is in in faith. It is still in faith. Yeah. Concept is in faith. Okay. So that's how we have to look at it. But our English Bibles are never, go, not going to do that. They're trying to make a sentence for us. In faith, Abraham, being called, did obey to go forth to the place that he was about to receive for an inheritance. And he went forth not knowing whether doth he go. In faith, he did sojourn in the land of the promise as a strange country, in tabernacles having dwelt with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Now, that's important. For he was looking for a city, having the foundations whose, uh, whose artificer, which is the uh, designer and constructor, is God. And that's the last verse. And it goes on to how in faith Sarah did certain things. So he was looking for the city. See, he was looking forward, looking for the city, having the foundations whose, whose uh, designer, whose architect and builder was God himself. You see, that, that's, that's a reference again to the kingdom of God. That's a reference to the, uh, the kingdom without end. You see, the city of God. That's another word for this particular thing. It's the city of God, the uh, kingdom of God, that was not built with hands. The same kingdom mentioned in Daniel chapter 2 uh, that had been known to the ancients that they were awaiting. Even Abraham was awaiting this kingdom. I think that's important. Just as we read that in Job, when Job speaks of seeing his Redeemer face to face, you know, there's a there's there's a attitude in Christendom that the modern Christian of their era, like now or maybe a hundred years ago. Are so much better uh, able to understand, uh, so much more intelligent, um, have s- are, are are so much better morally, and there's a phrase for it, um, and it's it's not very uh, it's not very uh, beneficial to the who wants this naming, but this is an arrogance that that's found, but it's absolutely it has no foundation in truth. We had, as far as the abilities of people, were just as great then as they are now. In some ways, they were far superior. They didn't have the distractions that the modern people have today. They didn't have nearly as many lies coming at them from every direction. They were healthier and, in many cases, wealthier. Um, even if they had nothing that's considered wealth today, they were still wealthy in many other ways, which caused them to be a different kind of person. So that whole concept is wrong. But that's, that's why we look at this, and, um, and we have to realize that they, they had an idea. They understood by God's word, by the oral tradition of the covenant people of God.
2: And Abraham,
1: at this point right
2: before Sarah's going to you know, conceive. He's no kid anymore.
1: He's no.
2: Um, and uh, so he's been at this. He, at this point, he's understanding the full nature of God or he wouldn't be searching for God's city.
1: That's right. The promise goes beyond just the physical things. But there's still more to come. Lot oh, more. there's a lot more to come, and uh, that—that's right. As a matter of fact, you say, "How old was he?" Well, he left Heron. Uh, he was 75 years old. Where, at, where we're going to start looking in chapter 16 uh, is 10 years later. <clears throat> He's 85 now. So, and his wife's 10 years younger than him. That's um, so. We we have a uh, just the things that we've read the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're talking about a ten-year period of time.
2: Yeah, and we find out from this ancient writing, which is what it is. Yeah, it's actually an ancient writing about an even more ancient time. We find out that the childbearing was for the younger women, huh. even okay. then.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's, that's pretty right. interesting. <clears throat> And yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> and much later down the road, uh, Sarah uh, dies. Is a very old woman. But Abraham remarries and has more children. Not children of this group, you know. Uh, but on we'll, we'll come to that later. Um, so. Putting all that together, the idea here is we started with, Abram is distressed that he has not an heir of his own, and he felt like at his age, it was about, it was going to have to be pretty soon. Well, and he he was starting to take it into his own hands with his servant, and then here with Sarah and and her servant. And that's just what we're going to find out here in chapter 16, that uh, uh, Sarah's uh, actions towards Abram is going to uh, put a little chink in it. Although, you know, here's the thing. I would call these people patient. Uh, Abram's very patient. Uh, His wife was just considered barren in those days. You know, as... uh, Not every woman can have children in any period of time. Okay. Um, But in in this time, and especially in this circumstance, it was distressing them greatly. And I imagine it was a lot of their conversation. But nonetheless, Sarah comes up with an idea. And this all begins ten years after... Uh, They have been in the land of Canaan. Matter of fact, let's just read some of the next chapter. Chapter 16, and um, we have 16 verses in this chapter that bring an account of something that we need to understand. And it's uh, Abram's and uh, and Sarah's idea to kind of hasten the idea of the heir. But this isn't God's plan. This isn't how how he has it. Um, but you see, uh, technically, Abraham could say, you know, God told him that his hair would be from his body. And that was technically true, but he also said, had said before that it would be from Sarah. <laughs> so that's the point. So let, let's look at it. Um and Sarah, the wife, Sarah actually is the way you pronounce it, because that well, the way it looks here is it was Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. There's no H on it. Uh, that name change will come uh, in the in the next chapter, actually. And Sarah the wife of Abram, bore him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Agar. Um, which is also, uh, let's see, um, Hagar. Hagar is what uh, our English Bibles usually have. So this Hagar is Hagar. but th- We're reading right from the Septuagint. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. So now that's how she looks at it. All right. So, And this was something apparently she had to see it this way. Go therefore in to my maid that I may get children for myself through her. Now, here's the thing about this this maid, as she's called here. She is the property of Sarah. Anything done to her maid would be done to Sarah. I mean, that's how they, they figured it. This was, uh, this person belonged to her. And I don't believe it was an arrangement that was uh, bad for Hagar at all. And yet, th- this is the way it is. So, so they, she figured if, be, because she is mine, that uh, maybe her offspring would also be pleasing to God. And, and Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. So, Sarah, the wife of Abram, having taken Hagar the Egyptian, her handmaiden, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of, of Canaan. That's where we get the date. And, matter of fact, Genesis is so good about keeping this chronology rolling. Um, and it's hard to make the argument that we have all the time oh, they left generations out in their records. No, no, no. Not if you read the Bible. You'll find that that's not true. All right. <clears throat> he lived 10 years. He gave her to Abram. She gave uh, Hagar to Abram, her husband, as a wife to him. And he went into a, a Hagar, and she conceived and saw that she was with child, and her mistress was dishonored before her. So now there's an attitude that's happened <coughs> within the house. Now Hagar has, looking, uh, has taken on an attitude towards Sarah which was not a, a, a proper attitude. And Sarai said to Abram, I am injured by thee. I gave my handmaiden into thy bosom, and when I saw that she was with child, I was dishonored before her. The Lord judged be between me and thee. So she was in a bit of a quandary. Here, Sari was. But remember, she kind of brought it upon herself. And Abram said to Sarah, Behold, thy handmaiden is in thy hands. Use her as it may seem good to thee. And Sarah afflicted her, and she fled from her face. So she ran away. She ran away at this point. So she had went out into the uh, wilderness. In verse 7 it says says this. So you see, God is, is dealing with Uh, This situation, personally, uh, he sent his angel to deal with this situation because uh, this needs to be dealt with in a way that's proper uh, for the continuation of the promise to Abraham. And an angel of the Lord found her by the fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Hagar... Sarah's maid, whence comest thou, and whither goest thou? And she said, I am fleeing from the face of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said to her, I will surely multiply thy seed, and it shall not be numbered for, and it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, for the Lord hath hearkened to thy humiliation. He shall be a wild man, his hands against all, and the hands of all against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name Ishmael of the Lord God who spoke to her, Thou art God who seest me. For she said, For I have openly seen him that appeared to me. Therefore she called the well. And the well of him whom I have openly seen, behold, it's between Cades and Barad. And Hagar bore a son to Abraham, and Abraham called the name of his son, which Hagar bore to him. Ishmael. And Abraham was 86 years old when Agar, Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. Well, so this all occurred 10 years after Abraham had come into Canaan. Sarah made these plans. Um, it caused great disruption in the house. Of Abraham for a period of time, and uh, Hagar ran off, but she was, but she returned as the angel. By the way, you'll notice the way the text is written. When the angel speaks, it is, it is though God is speaking himself. Now that is the concept of the angel of God. Angel of. Jehovah of the Lord. Um, we need to understand that and, um, and and look at it in a way that is, is uh, useful and not try to make anything else beyond what it says, not going beyond the text. <clears throat> so this was a plan that Abram would be have an heir but it was not the, it was not what God had promised. It was not in the way that he had promised. Um, And yet, they were trying to help. Uh, They were being proactive, I guess would be a nice phrase for it today. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, it was something that had to be dealt with. And we know Abraham was 85 years old when Hagar conceived, and he was 86 when Ishmael was born, and that was in the year of, 2134 BC. 2134 BC. Now compare that to the Exodus of Egypt, which occurred in 1500 BC. So we got a period of time there 634 years um, before this. Now, Ishmael also would become. Um, in our English Bibles, we have, um, oh, let's see, I'm trying to find the verse. Oh, it's not in this, in this chapter, I don't believe. Okay. But later on, we're going to read that, uh, um, um, Ishmael will become, that is after he is removed from the family of Abraham. You see, all of these will at, point, at one point will have to be removed from Abraham. As, as Lot was removed, so are these. Hagar and um, Ishmael and all, all of that are removed from Abraham. But God blesses them. And uh, Ishmael would become the father of 12 princes. It kind of reminds me of Jacob's twelve sons. Uh, the patriarch. But those are sons of the promise. Ishmael's sons are not sons of the promise. Now they became the uh, uh, the in the area, the Arabs, if you will. Uh, Their descendants. Twelve princes, twelve different groups. As time uh, passes out, there's Many charts on that, and we see how that all occurred. So, all of this—how does this work with the character of Abram? Is Abraham—you know—he's still doing everything he can to have an heir, isn't he? Even—even uh, even with this, um, the thing is, he would still be—he would be the father. But the one little thing left out is Sarah wasn't involved except for the legal arrangement that we have between people and the people that are theirs, that belong to them. There was a legal concept and an unwritten law, I guess you'd say, about this. We're going to have to let it off at that time. And we're going to be beginning again in chapter 17. That takes us. Um, we're going to jump ahead another. Well, he's he 86. 15 years. 15 years trans, uh, uh, is uh, covered between the end of chapter 16 and the beginning of chapter 17. Abr- Abram is 99 years old at this point, and Sarah is 90. And now the idea of of the child, the heir, is is being brought back up to Abram. Okay, uh, and God is going to speak to him again. So that's where we'll pick up. And all of this, uh, all of these accounts, all tie together, being part of the big picture. The part of uh, to a Christian, this is part of. This is part of our family through faith, and I think that's very important. Well, we pray pray you have a useful week for the Lord, that you will be found in his word and busy about his work, and we do pray this until we meet again. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.